Welcome to the Ali Maz Show, where we focus on human being and spiritual living with a deep inclination for the divine. Together, we delve into the seen and the unseen. We explore what it means to be well and whole from the inside out. Over the last 17 years, I've been focused on how movement, breath, and the power of the mind can liberate us from the template of our conditioning and carve a path to live a truly authentic life. My hope is that my guests will inspire and expand you to continue to choose the life that is yours. Welcome to the Ali Maz Show. Today's guest is a very special one, someone who I haven't spoken to in a very long time. Ten years ago, we embarked on creating a movement through movement, a place where all people of all ages could come together and be themselves. This place was called District Movement, and today I have my co-creator and long-lost friend, Gian Pablico on. Welcome, Gian. Hello. What an intro. I love that. Long lost. I'm found. I'm found. You're found. We haven't really spoken that much over the last five years since the district closed, and I thought, why not just record it? <laughs> For everyone, this is our first conversation. <laughs> Since we closed the doors, we haven't spoken. No, we've 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 touched base a little bit. Yeah. Um, but this is a real true catch up. And can you believe that it's been ten years? Ten years ago, probably, what is it, November, we would be like sitting in a warehouse that would become the studio trying to build this wall that Donna from the District of North Vancouver wasn't allowing us to build. And we were back and forth with the contractor. I think that's where we were at 10 years ago, November. Yes, yes. Probably struggling too at this time because, um, you know, it's it's hard for the fitness scene. Like at these times when it's holidays, people are off. And, you know, you got to create creative solves as a studio to try to just make it. It's not just everyone's going to show up day one. No. I mean, I feel like we had, we were building that second bathroom and maybe we threw a little bit of an open house, like the December, 2013, but we didn't open our doors, I think until January uh, of 2014, which feels like yeah. a thousand years ago. Um, so for people who don't know what the district was and is, how would you explain it in your own words? In my own words, um, well, the district, yeah, I guess it is and it was. It's a space for community where we happen to do movement as a way to come together and and connect. Um, of course, there's yoga, there's burpees, there's loud music, there's parties. But, you know, I just really saw it as a, we saw it as a, a place to to gather and see each other. And I would say, looking back on it now, in a moment of time, in a season of our life, um, I just, you know, I was out for a walk earlier and I saw somebody that used to go to the district I hadn't seen in a while, Simone. And she was like running past me. I was like, she just got married. Like it was, it was just so interesting to see and, and cool in a way of not sadness of people that remember the district, but there was like a sudden connection of like, hey, like, let's meet up, let, let's connect. And it's real. So I think that still outlasts itself beyond the five years where, you know, there's five years plus more of where people truly saw you or you had the opportunity or the bravery to show yourself. So, you know, it continues on. Yeah. Waves don't die. Waves don't die. Yes. Whoa. Uh, 
<laughs> uh, so we're going to drop into some nostalgia a little bit later on about all things district. But for people that don't know you, including myself now, <laughs> who are <laughs> who are you? What do you do? Uh, yeah. What okay. are you about? <laughs> what am I about? Okay. Yeah. I mean, my name is Gian. <laughs> Um, yeah, right now I work for um, Lululemon, a Vancouver company that's all over the world now globally. And, and I work in like in the team development space. So really supporting teams and their leadership uh, facilitation. And then on the other end to um, in, in the space of inclusion, diversity and equity, making sure that's a huge part of the brand, like marketing, but also part of the products that we create and the people are having the best experience possible that relates to all that work. So that's for the whole world. Uh, it gets me to a lot of places um, to meet a lot of amazing people, which is like interesting because I still do some district things that we used to do in a retreat. So I would say 10 years later, I could proudly say and smile secretly because I'm like, I'm still doing what I did at this, you know, 900 square foot studio is just happens to be on a, a global stage and that i believe um humbly saying it that when people do experience experience when they experience the way that i facilitate or show up it, it's different you know and people say like oh that was so natural like i like how you did that and people remember it and that's how we were um i believe showing up in the community and in, in our own way and you you couldn't really describe it and I'm trying to find ways to describe it, but I would say shh, long answer is still doing the same thing. It just amplified <laughs> uh, by you know a company that I believe in currently. Yeah, I uh, I believe that. There's no doubt in my mind that you are not exactly the same person I met <laughs> all those years ago doing the exact same thing. Um, something that we always did at the district was a check-in question, and this was a way for us to get to know our community and also for people to share their voice and be heard and be seen in this space. And this is one of your questions that uh, I will ask you now. Uh, what two movies represent your life currently? Currently. Woo! Okay, currently. Hmm. Ah, I mean, it is December soon. So I think it never, I think one movie that never switches is Family Stone, like the most random movie um, that perhaps is off brand to me. Uh, but then again, if you knew me, it wasn't off brand. Um, yeah, Family Stone, Christmas movie about family and, you know, something that I, I, I wish I had nostalgia about growing up, but I had no nostalgia. So I think the movie gives me an opportunity to not only feel what perhaps other people felt uh, and what the holidays are supposed to feel, but then also try to provide that same um, nostalgia for my, my, my kids and my family in the future. So that's, that's one movie. And then the second movie is, uh, City of God. I don't know if you've seen City of God. It's like an old school movie, but I'm like re-watching it. I, I re-watch a lot of things lately um, because I feel like when I watched it, it was amazing. And now I'm an older person with more experiences. And then you just get more things about the movies. So City of God, finding your passion in the madness of the world mm -hmm. and being relentless with it is something that really sticks out, resonates. Mm -hmm. City of God, Family Stone. <laughs> What about you? Perfect. Um, so I think right now I'm a mix of you know the movie Wild 
where he yes. like goes out and he's like society. I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit that. Eat the and berries. Like, yeah. <laughs> eating the berries and dying well not no i mean i do live in la and there's a lot of plant medicine here so if you could call eating okay, berries nice. and doing an ego death then sure um and then maybe like um royal tenenbaums or like something like that i don't know there's something around like family and holiday and i just that image of gwyneth paltrow with like eyeliner like in a fur coat smoking a cigarette nice something i don't know I that's don't smoke. Answer. Yeah, that's my answer. Right. Uh, um, so I have so many questions for you. Mm-hmm. And I think I want to start with how has the district made you who you are today? Damn, these are like very big questions. Yeah, I'm about to dive in. <laughs> this is the lightest question. <laughs> We're only going deeper. Okay. How has the district made me today? Um, well, I, I, I know that it's such a bucket list thing to say we created that and, and, and we were the founders and it, and it happened. It was success. And there's, I'm meeting a lot of people where like owning their own business is such a a big goal and dream. And that's amazing. Right. And I definitely want to support people in that. And, And at the same time, I feel like, um, district gave me that but check off the bucket list so then I can do something else. But then I also found like, I have to be able to be an entrepreneur even in whatever that I'm doing, right? So I don't have that thirst anymore to like do it on my own or not have a boss. Cause at the end of the day, like even owning a, a business that's yours, like you still had other bosses, you know, yourself for sure, but you're also your community. Um, not in a bad way necessarily, but you know, there's still bills to pay. There's still Donna trying to, you know, not give us our license to build the building. So I think what, what I learned now is that I still have to have the entrepreneurial spirit wherever I go, you know, uh, in other parts of my life, whether it's like current work or um, even, even when having a full-time plus job, I'm still scheming, you know, like, Ooh, can I open a barbershop? And my wife, Carrie's just like, you should chill and not do that because it has nothing to do with your work or you should probably, you know, hang out more at home, um, which I do. But then even when I'm, you know, coaching, helping coach basketball, which is a part of like, you know, family, I'm like, well, how can I help the team? And, you know, be a part of the team instead of just being a passive uh, parent and watch on the side. So yeah, I think entrepreneurship would be the word. Like I learned about what that looks like, what it feels like and how I can continue it on even if the brick and mortar wasn't there anymore. Does that make sense? Totally. And something I know about you is that your mind never stops. (laughs) Like when we first met and you started doing yoga more and you were like, I love Shavasana because I like get to think all the time. I'm like, well, that's not really the point of this moment. But but your mind is constantly going on like what's next or like I thought of this thing and how could that thing be a t-shirt? But the t-shirt is like an invitation to a secret party and the secret party is like an invitation to the thing. And yeah, it's just like... I've never met anyone whose mind works like that. The least present person. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. You know. um, if you could relive like one memory from the district, like if you mm-hmm. could go back and like live one moment, do you have what that moment would be? <sighs> so many moments. Um, wow. Uh-huh. 
I mean, of course, there's tons of parties. There's tons of like sold out classes. I, to me, it's 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 not one moment, but specific time of the week. It's like that Friday, like before, like our last class that we taught together, um, like at six o'clock. Like the anticipation yeah. of of that class happening, and the class is going to be great. The music is going to be awesome. People are going to work out. People are going to do yoga. But to me, it's the anticipation of like who's coming and what are they bringing to celebrate with us the end of the week. I just love that feeling and getting flowers and getting beer. It was such a, a ceremony, like dinner table moment, um, which I miss and would like relive every time. Totally. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I feel like now having, you know, living in LA, I've been here almost three years and it's sort of this hub of like the quote unquote wellness scene. And everyone's always trying to do like the next best thing. And I don't know, I'm always rolling my eyes because it's like, you know, and it's sort of the intersection of influencer and wellness and all of the things that exist here in LA. And um, I'm just like, damn, people would kill to get like, we used to get like almost 60 people on a Friday at 6 PM to work out and do yoga, like in the pouring rain, like outside, and yeah. I just am like, you guys have no idea. The context too, it's like now that I drive by that place, I'm like, this is the most random place. Like who would ever go here? Like I go there to get dog food now. Like <laughs> it's, across the, it's across the way. Like I just don't think people, like we don't talk about like how random the location is. Like what would that look like in LA? Like would anyone ever go to that certain spot? Like I don't think so. No, people in LA want like cold eucalyptus towels and like infrared sauna and, you know, all the bells and whistles. And for context, for people who don't know, the district was a literal warehouse. It was, yeah, maybe it was 900 square feet total. We had a garage door that opened up to this random parking lot. Like it, we did not have much signage. <laughs> we had no idea what we were doing. I was 26 <laughs> years old. Finally, that's good for Brandon. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> we had no parking we had two parking spots like it really um people ask me all the time which I'm sure they do to you too like oh I want to open a studio I want to do this and I'm always like I don't know I don't know what to tell you because we were so naive we had no idea what we were getting ourselves into we didn't know a thing about how to run a business and yet um in my mind it was just the greatest success for so many reasons other than the bottom line because uh, sometimes we weren't always hitting that, especially in the beginning. But yeah. it was more about the community that we built. And we had this class called Crush Hush. Gian would teach the first part of it, really hard workout. And then I would come in and teach yoga. And then people would stick around and have a beer and talk and connect. And um, even just this idea of Crush Hush, I know it was the name of a class, but it was really a lifestyle. And can you sort of explain like what Crush Hush means to you or maybe like what Crush Hush as a philosophy looks like in your own life now? Yeah, I think you explained it really well. I think it's, it's to, today it's being able to like live in both worlds, like the duality of it. It's not to me, perhaps like at that time it was like one or the other, this is my specialty. This is your specialty, but we know we dabbled in both. Right. And I think we were teaching people, I mean, maybe I say teaching, but maybe they, we weren't, they just wanted to work out. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but to me, um, it's just being comfortable in the duality of like you, you know, there is the fast pace of life, but you need the rest as well. And um, both can exist in a human being. Like it doesn't have to be one or the other. You actually perhaps need both. So I think now that I, you know, now that I have 
crush hus moments throughout the day. That's really what I what I've learned is like madness of the day, all the calls, all the Zoom things, all the you know good tension arguments at work or even on my way home, the traffic, the madness of it all, and then like like how do I transition and like hush before I walk through the door because it's important because the people that I will see are like the most important people in my life. And if I take that crush energy, you know, um, it's not going to work out. And then at the same time, when I also need to leave hush and be like, let's go, let's do everything, you know, let's go for right now. Like I have a dog random, you know, I have a dog, I take the dog for a walk, but I'm like, I'm going to walk with a 30 pound like vest, you know, like that's so me, but I also need like rest and hush as well. Yeah. 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 I, first of all, I love that you have a dog. Cause I feel like, did you like dogs? Like I I mean, this did, I don't think I saw. <laughs> um, and I think our, I think our dogs are like cousins, right? Is yeah. yeah. Um, so you talk a lot about this duality and I think of crush hush. And then I also think of, of levity and depth, right? And this is something that we are always playing with um, at the studio. And I know it, it is the cornerstone of the work you do and is certainly the cornerstone of the, of the work I continue to do. Yeah. Um, how can we go really deep with people and create these brave containers <clears throat> for people to really open up and be vulnerable and at the same time, have so much fun. And I think it's what's missing often in experiences that I go into. I'm like, oh, everyone's taking themselves so seriously. And that's actually a detriment because if you can actually play, this work gets so much deeper. Totally, totally. And it's so healing to laugh, right? I mean, obviously, we perhaps I didn't say it in that way back in the day, but just to laugh, that's why I loved not only being able to support the teenagers around, but they just had that, that oomph, that like youthness, that, you know, non-attachment to things that like when they told us a joke or we were laughing at something, it just, it felt so real and it was so rejuvenating to laugh, um, you know, as a form of stress relief or a form of self-care. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is deep. And I, so some of the work we used to do, so the reason why we opened the studio in the first place is because we wanted to serve the youth. We wanted to serve our community of young people. And it's actually how we met. Uh, you were in, uh, you were in your youth work. I was doing my youth work and we came together. Do you want to talk a little bit about the youth work you were doing when we first met and then how it kind of evolved into having a brick and mortar? Yeah. Yeah. The youth work that I was doing is really supporting young men in really navigating relationship at the core of it. But then those relationships are either with, you know, in a romantic relationship or in a, you know, a friendly relationship, mostly with, you know, other men, right? So really teaching men how to use assertiveness, which if you break it down is confidence and breath and, you know, all the tools that like perhaps you learn in yoga, but assertiveness and being, um, yeah, confidence in yourself to, to navigate those relationships. So if, if we teach boys specifically, um, you know, the idea, we always kind of play around this idea in safety and called like the guy code, right? But if you teach guys that, you know, the guy code is what you make it. And if it exists, like, you know, um, if it exists, you're able to undefine it if you want to. So that's really what I was working with them because that became the barrier to even friendships with other guys, but definitely became a barrier to like, you know, healthy relationship with, with partners in the future. Right. Cause we, we, we always have this, uh, activity that, I mean, I still do <laughs> with grown people was like the, 
the AB with the fist, right? Where I essentially, if you're listening to this, I have one person hold out their fist and then the other, you know, the other person I would say, okay, in, in a room full of people. Now, whoever can open the other person's fist the fastest, please put up your hand. Be and because I don't explain it too much and I make it a competition, what often happens for 20 seconds is people try to like destroy the other person's hand, right? And what, when actuality, the fastest way to open that person's fist is just to ask and say, can you open your fist? Which a lot of young men don't have the, the skill set of just asking, right? Or asking another guy like, hey, do you want to hang out? Or asking a, you know, somebody that they love, like, is this okay with you, right? And so it's a simple example of like the work that I was doing that's then became embedded in, you know, using fitness as, a, as an avenue to start to do that work. Because to me, it's so awkward for an adult in quotation to say, I want to have a talk with you now about consent. It's like, <laughs> You could have that, but it's almost like it had no foundation and no trust built in to be able to have that conversation in the future. So I, I think I know it connected to the work that you were doing, whether it was with young girls or the community in general. Yeah, I think that the similarity was we were using movement. I was using yoga. You were using fitness as a way to have bigger conversations with teenagers around everything. Like you said, consent and relationship and using your voice in the world and who you want to be. And I know you were doing a lot of anti-racism work, anti-bullying work, um, helping immigrant youth integrate into the community. And so, um, and like you said, it was sort of this avenue. And then when we opened the studio and we said, okay, maybe it's not just youth, but adults come too. We didn't just say, okay, but we're to adults, we're only going to teach a yoga class or a fitness class. We were going to talk to the adults um, and create conversation through movement as well, which I just think was still is after all these years. So yeah. unique and revolutionary, um, but it opens a door because we have to look at things holistically, right? So when you're getting people to move and, and be in their bodies and breathe and express themselves, all of a sudden you have um, these really open spaces to change the world, which is really what we, we were up to and both still are up to big time. Yeah, yeah I love that. Um, we used to run a co-ed retreat every summer in Whistler, the varsity retreat where we'd take teenage boys and teenage girls into a house <laughs> for a week. <laughs> that was like a real world like episode, right? 16 people in a house, somewhat adults. Oh no, you froze. Oh no. Hello. Oh, there you are. You're back. Okay, great. Uh, yeah, it does sound like a real world episode um, or a whole season. And sometimes it was, but we were using those same tools. We were working out with kids. Technical difficulties. Technical uh, difficulties. Varsity. Yes. <laughs> yeah, varsity. That was so fun to, col to collide worlds um, together. And it, and I, I, I know like we started to do that with like adults as well. Uh, I just think like that was so cool because you already, you obviously had experience doing it with young girls. And, and to me, it was, it was just so cool to be able to just take them away from their, um, you know, usual surroundings and just have the depth that you wouldn't normally have um, when you move them away from the studio the day to day, which I mean, essentially that's what I do now with, with the company, right. Is like making sure yes, day to day leadership, development, inclusion, but when you take them away and retreats and make them feel like seen and included, it's a totally different space that you're opening when you, you know, you remove them from their day to day. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I think um, youth has always been my why, and I think for you too. Um, and when we work with adults, I think that's what makes our work with adults so much more profound is uh, if you can connect with a teenager, I think you can connect with anyone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So you learn how to distill a lot of this development work and a lot of this, you know, the messaging, if, if a teenager can get it, um, I think that's really how you refine as a leader, as a teacher is like work with teenagers. That's what's made, that's what's made us exceptional teachers. I think exceptional totally. leaders is because of the work we, we do. with. Teenagers. And I think I haven't like given that much credit to it. I think I will now more than ever is like, I do get an opportunity and support other people and being in front of people, right? Like sometimes 200, 400 people, SLTs, corporates, and, you know, all, all great people, all who were once teenagers as well. But some of the scariest or hardest workshops that I've done, actually, even this week was like to, to work with uh, 17, 16 year old girls who were just like talking the whole time. I'm like, oh yeah, like I forgot. Like they don't, like they are nice, but like they really don't care. They're in their own world. And I'm not saying that they don't care. It's just, I don't have the relationship built to just dive deep within this hour. And I need to like recalibrate because with adults, they're, they can sit there for two hours, you know, and they kind of have to. They're getting paid to sometimes. And, yeah. but to be able to do, to engage teenagers for an hour, 30 minutes, that's a skill set to me that's important that has got me where I am. Totally. Yeah. I, I, I obviously work a lot and a lot more again with, with teenagers. I did a girl Vana retreat this summer again, and I was like, Oh shit, <laughs> this is so intense. Yeah. I forgot. Yeah. Um, you know, and everyone, Gen Z is such a hot topic and, um, you know, we live in a different world than you and I grew up in as teenagers. And, um, I kind of know and understand what's going on, on, on the teen girl side, but what are you sort of seeing in, in boys or even men? Like, I know you still work with a lot of men, um, you know, what sort of changed maybe in the landscape from your work 10 years ago with teen boys and men to now? Um, what I'm seeing now, it's probably the similar in terms of like younger men, but right now, cause I'm in this stage, it's, it's for men, it's loneliness is, is huge. And it's sometimes not on purpose, but as your friends move away, they have their families, you get to, you know, you work at different places, the people that perhaps you grew up with are, you know, are just a different part of their life. Even it's harder um, to just like meet a guy and be like, yo, you want to hang out? Um, you you often have um, and, and hang out and find out values and all that stuff. But like, how do you even get there? Right? It's so awkward to even talk about like, I'm going to go meet a guy like, it's, it has to often be in the settings of like a bar or sport um, when in actuality, like I just want to be able to talk to somebody about, you know, a dream or a purpose or my family or my relationship. What I am finding is that, yeah, a lot of guys that I've met, even in, especially when they're not close to me and we're not close to each other, we, we find that brotherhood or whatever you want to call it, mentorship. But I don't know how you would do it if, you know, you move to a new city or you are you know, people are, yeah, you just don't have, an, you know, that many people around you. So I think that's, that's really hard. And, um, and I don't know yet the answer to that. Um, yeah. I could perhaps talk about it in, in the context of youth, but like older men, yeah. middle-aged men, like, how do you do that? Like, how have you seen your friends navigate that? 
I mean, I what I witnessed this last month in Panama, I led two separate kind of containers. One was a yoga teacher training. One was a women's retreat. Um, so 50 women total. And I think like in a post-pandemic world, I just feel like people's social batteries are so different. Like every night at teacher training, we sit together and have dinner. And that used to be like, that's the jam. Like, can we for dinner where we all get to be together? And I just watched people being like, I need to take dinner in my room. I need to be alone. It's too loud in here. I'm like, what happened? (laughs) What happened to everyone? Like dinner time. Um, But I just sort of experiencing that where, yeah, this kind of dichotomy of people feeling more alone, like more lonely than ever, but wanting to be alone. Um, and so I think that these spaces, retreats, workshops, bringing people together is more important, uh, than ever, but especially for men, because we know sort of historically it's more women that are drawn to these groups and it's maybe a little bit easier for us to open up. And so I just think that when it comes to work with boys and men, um, it's so important and I'm seeing it. Maybe it's just an LA thing, but the rise of men's groups, my husband's in a men's group, I have a friend yeah. that leaves a men's group. Like all the men I know are, are really conscious men are coming together to sit on zoom on a Wednesday and talk about their stretches, which is like, I don't know if that's like common men's group terminology, but event, event or, um, essentially stretches are just like activities to stretch your mind mm. and, you know, you journal about it and you talk about it and, I'm like, oh, this is cute. This is what I was doing in high school. <laughs> but I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and that's cool. That's and that's that's what I get curious about, right? And I do think that's well with me, of course, I have my friends and you know, I travel quite a bit in my work, so I get to feel that, you know, that need of friendship like through that way, which is lucky. Yeah. Um, but often even in when I used to do events for men specifically uh, and you would take them away in this like retreat like what often happens is like you know such deep bonding and I'm still friends with a lot of the people that were at that event but a lot of the times the common theme was like a lot of guys would come up to me and say like man like I really really needed that but like every person really needed that and then you start to clue in like oh they don't have this right you need it it came at the right time because there's never a time in their day where they are get asked a checking question of like you know, anything. Right. Um, so that's, that's interesting. Cause, um, it's definitely, you're, you're in a world, not on your own, but just like you're in a, a community perhaps that's unique and awesome. And there's a lot of guys who, you know, are my neighbors where it's like, <laughs> no offense if anyone's listening, uh, <laughs> the connection point is kids, but the connection point is sometimes sports or like alcohol. Right. Yeah, yes. totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way. And I mean, I see it with my, my <laughs> I see it with my husband and his father. It's like, you know, the text is going to be about sports first. And then there's maybe like an opening to like talk about something else. And I'm curious, you're a father, you have a son. Um, what does that look like for you? I mean, I know you're raising a, a daughter and a son, but specifically with Carter, uh, in terms of the emotional literacy um, for you as a father? Like, how do you teach that? How do you share that with him? I mean, it's a, it's a day-to-day process, I would say. Even if um, I could say that I work a lot with young boys, like, you know, I would be, it would be fake to say that it's like, it's natural or it's easy. Because I, I think the more that I know, the more I realize, of course, like how much I don't know, or I'm like conscious of my own, you know, upbringing and trauma and like, you know, how I speak to him. But, but to me, it is trying to do things with, with 
ease is the hardest part um, and like regulating my own self and like how I approach him, which I think the more that I can be conscious of me, whatever it is happening, what's happening with her or him, um, I'm learning at the same time. I mean, that's, it's, it's very vague to say it, but like the, the thing that we, that I often use that like Carrie gave me that was for him, but then became for me was like halt, right? Which mm. is when, when something's happening, I think like, okay, is he hungry? H, is he angry? A, is he lonely? Is he tired? Most of the times he's so hungry. He doesn't have the words to just like say it. Like I'm hungry. I need to make something. Can you make me something? So then he's a, just annoying and is a yeah. pessimist. And then actually when I think about it for myself, maybe I'm not hungry because I can feed myself, but like perhaps in the day I was like tired, right? I, yeah. I didn't get much sleep and I'm, I've been alone the whole time. So then how I approach him is without saying these things, you know, it affects my relationship with him. So I think the answer is just like this hyper awareness of my own emotion before I even meet what's happening there um, gets it to a better place and then getting him to practice that himself, yeah. right? How yeah. to regulate his own emotions as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the self-regulation, I'm sure I can't imagine I'm not a parent. I know what it means to regulate myself before I teach to regulate myself in situations on a retreat and with my students. Can you hear my dog? He's just crying. Hold on. <laughs> regulating myself with my dog <laughs> um but I can't imagine you have these two little mini me's walking around and then you have to really be on your game in order to support you know the the myriad of emotions and that they go through as as young people yeah I would think that would be your greatest work yeah. and I'm curious uh what your children like what are they teaching you right now teaching me i mean my daughter everett she teaches me to like really slow down because she's so she's so playful and just in her own world so you know once once i do take the time to like live in her world time stops and it's so fun and then she without saying it is like instantly connected to me for more than the usual for like three days afterwards right so it's just a constant reminder to like really let go of everything that's happening. And like, if you're with somebody like be in their world and just yeah. get lost in their world. Uh, and then my son, I think my son is teaching me more about myself, to be honest, um, because he's older, but he's like in sports. So, you know, he loves basketball. He loves training. And then I'm trying to teach him things to get better at certain things. But then I have to really be conscious of like, well, is this it, it, like, how much of this is me? Um, trying to, you know, revert what I didn't have. Right. Right. And, you know, and it only comes afterwards, right? Like even, even, I think even realizing like my, my kids are at a good place, you know, we live in a really great community and I work hard to be here, but like, he's not going to experience the same struggle that I would have that would become this chip on your shoulder to work harder. Right. And so in my mind, I'm like, well, how do I get him to do that? without getting him to like not have a dad that's not there and didn't care about him. You know what I mean? I don't want that, but I still want him to be resilient and right. strong. So like, how do I duplicate or replicate that? Or do I even want to? Does he even need that? Well, it's so interesting because your frame of reference for your success was yes. my dad wasn't around. Mr. So-and-so had to let me in to play basketball in the morning. Yeah. You know, whatever that story is, you know, 
so chill. <laughs> yeah, the janitor came yeah. and let you in so you could play yeah. basketball. But but that like that was your origin story. Like that's your hero story. That's like who you are. And you know, um, I, I can let you tell that story. I obviously like you know bastardized if it's your story to tell but it created like that hunger in you you know and the drive and the way that you want to change the world and so you were able to then give your your children your family something different which is remarkable that's the whole point but then you're like oh is carter gonna have enough of that edge or where does that drive or hunger come from it's such an interesting thing sort of the evolution uh, yeah. the generational evolution because you want your son to have the things that you didn't have. Um, yeah. But I just think that's such an interesting reflection. Yeah. And it's interesting what I see as like a, a, a level up, right. And maybe the level up is not anything that I could see, but it is like, it's so random. Like um, I was, I'm, I'm like playing around with this idea and per- perhaps it's like somewhere that people have already kind of talked about is the idea is like when I was younger people used to say like oh you're such an old soul right which is like cool in the moment of course uh but now as a dad I'm like oh yeah I was an old soul because I like lived on my own since I was like 14 and I had to fend for myself so it felt good in the moment to to have wisdom and to be wise and be looked at you know I could you know um provide for myself but I'm like is that do I want my kids to have that same thing? Do I just want them to be 12 because they're 12 years old and not have the trauma and experience that I had? um, Like, and let's call that a win. You yeah, know? well, the innocence is the win, right? Like the fact that they get to be twelve and yeah. they have to think about the things that you had to think about at twelve. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. you know, just a daily thing. <laughs> yeah, I um, yeah, I. It's amazing to see them so grown. Yeah. I was present at your daughter's birth. Yeah, I can't. How old is she now? She's eight. Yeah, eight. she's loving. Yeah. She's dancing everywhere. She's competing in dance, winning. I'm like, what is? I mean. It's so cool to see. Yeah. And also, I, I think that's a commitment to what I'm learning from her, right? Is like, how do I dive into, you know, something that I'm not as familiar as like a dance world because it's it's important to her. Um, and then, you know, have it be just as important in my in my life as I do with something that I also, you know, love like basketball, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, um, you know, we're thinking we're getting closer and closer to making the decision to have a kid, and I just, um, yeah, it's, I just have so much respect, uh, for for parents and, and especially conscious parents who are not raising their children kind of the sort of you just have kids and you put them into things like you're so you and Carrie are so thoughtful um, and always have been as parents and the way you speak to your children the way you speak about yourselves around your children and um, it's just really inspiring to see a, such a level of, of conscious yeah. parenting happening um, yes sometimes it's by accident when I read those parent books I'm like oh <laughs> yes act as a human being <laughs> <laughs> Um, what do you feel like right now you're learning just personally, like in terms of your own personal growth, like what's a lesson you're kind of chewing on? The lesson I'm chewing on. Um, well, I, I mentioned a little bit about that, that, that idea of like old soul, like what that means. Um, I don't think I'm le- I've learned yet, but I've really thought about my dad lately and just not, I think I'm in a place now where I can like, let go of what happened because I'm also probably the first 40, 37 years of my life, I, I use that as like a inspiration and do the opposite, which got me here, which is awesome. But then now, as you 
kind of, as I pass through this 40 threshold, I'm like, man, you're just a human being just like doing it, you know? <laughs> and I'm just trying to put myself in, in his shoes and, you know, really see the good more than like what happened and not forgetting, but like really seeing, and it's hard because it, it's good, but I don't want to give him that, um, you know, the credit, but I'm like, I'm funny because he was funny. You know what I mean? Like that, that stuff. So to me, that's what I'm learning that, you know, adults, parents, it, it was hard for my parents. And so, um, you know, they were playing with the tools that they had in that moment. And, you know, I've, as I said before, that was better than what he got from his parents. And so it's, it's a hard realization because you have to look, and now I have to look back at everything and try to remember all the good things while the bad things was happening as well. Yeah. And I think to some degree, that's true growth. You know, it's like, when you recognize my former or one of my teachers, Georgina, used to say this, like the second birth is when you realize your parents are human beings. It's like a second birth where you go like, damn, I'm, I'm born again watching, you know, my parents. Yeah. <laughs> where you witness that and you kind of go, OK, yeah, my parents were human and, and they, they did the best they could with what they had. And um, yeah, some of that's the story, I think, in our early kind of adulthood it propels us, right? It creates that drive. Um, but then at some point, I think we have to let the story go and just say like, thank you for getting me up into this point because your success is a part of their, um, is a part of them. Yeah. Um, and you know, you are that revolution for, for your parents and, and being able to alchemize, I think is really what it is, is alchemizing the pain of the experience and go like, look, look at the family I'm raising now, you know? And, um, instead of holding on. And I th you see it in your work too. I certainly see it in my work is where people will hold, like carry the story like a ball and chain and be like, this is my pain. And because of this and because of this, and at some point you kind of have to go, okay, yeah. yeah. And because of this also life is, is, is the way you were able to alchemize the pain is what makes life, what makes life so beautiful. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Yeah. You said it. Cause it was like, I think the first few years or first 30 years is like, look, at, look at my family now. And now I'm like, uh, look at my family now, yeah. you know, it's like kinder to that person yeah. to say like, like, and proud instead of like spiteful, which yeah. both the crush hush can exist, but it's just interesting, like where, what I'm learning in that space. Yeah. And I think this idea of like proving, I certainly have that in me too, or I'm, I'm going to prove to people, <laughs> just like, look yeah. how successful I can be or look how this I can be. And I don't know, maybe it is just getting older. I don't really feel the same desire to prove anymore. Like I don't really have anything to prove. Yeah. Um, I just want to like love myself at the end of the day and love the work I'm doing. And it just gets a lot simpler, doesn't it? Yes. Still doing that, that love work. <laughs> <laughs> Still trying to love myself at the end of the day. In the quiet moments when there's no one at the studio, all I hear when I like try to, when I, go in to actually start my shift is Ali Maz bumping music just doing yoga and it's like the loudest music I'm like oh she's putting some love work down I don't uh -huh. let's close the studio for now it's busy y'all <laughs> something's happening yeah I'm always I'm always in a, in a my husband would say I'm always in a process <laughs> uh, and another one of his favorites is not everything is a workshop um, yes. but to me yeah. <laughs> to me it is uh, I mean, the district for, for uh, I mean, 
you're you're older than me but not by much but for me like that was my late like kind of mid late 20s like I was talking to Ashley who is a teacher for us and still a dear friend and I lead yoga teacher training with and we were talking about like how wild we were like that was a wild time like we were throwing parties we were like had all these different boyfriends like we were just like in such a interesting point of our lives like growing up together really is what we were doing yeah I mean I look back and like because there's lots of studios in Vancouver here and I you know, I'm in mean, part of their events. I'm like, oh, you got like a license for that? Like a, a liquor license? <laughs> I'm like reliving all these things that we didn't do. But obviously it's things that made us like great. But it, it's it's been cool to see even, um, you know, for those that were part of the district to s- continue to see like someone like, you know, a young person like Ken, who's now like a huge dance teacher in in the studio, right? Or sorry, in, in Vancouver, teaching, traveling all over the world. And he was someone that not only danced at our parties, but used this space to to teach and yeah start his own thing and now it's like there's some full circle moments where he definitely still tags me in certain things and he hangs out with people outside of the district but um you know my carrie's starting to dance more and she's like a a part of like dance dance crews that performs and like her teacher that teaches her is also now in ken's dance crew and they're the same age i'm like what is happening how old am i and like so cool at the same time that you know, one of my wife's teacher is learning from a one's kid who I always see as a kid, but obviously a grown human being uh, is teaching teachers. What? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that we've, we've come up enough time to actually see our teens become adults and see what they, they do in the world. And it's, you know, that was just you saying, Hey, you guys need, they were like using a window, a reflection somewhere at a high school, using it as a mirror to learn how to their dance routines and you said come to our studio you know and the the ripple effect of of um the district and I don't know every time I sit in circle with people I felt it a lot this last time when I was in Panama you know where I like do an opening circle and I'm just like I can feel almost the walls of the district kind of like showing up around me like it's an energetic space it's not a physical space anymore but we always knew when we closed um, that the energy of the studio, like it's like in your heart, you know, and I think about that every time I do a speaking engagement or, you know, I'm going to a high school on Monday, deep in the Valley of Los Angeles, a hundred kids. Like to me, it's like, you know, that's where the district in me shows up and, um, yeah. in, in a big way, you know, and that's the ripple effect. We knew when we closed the doors, it was never closed, you know? Yeah, totally. And, and I just get to get to see, I mean, even in traveling in LA and other places, like there's there's studios that you go to, there's coffee shops that you go to that I felt like to me, what this district was doing, um, it wasn't for everyone, you know, on purpose. And that's like, I don't want anyone to take that as like, we were exclusionary. I I just believe like we were really speaking to, you know, people that like not got it. That's the wrong word. I don't know what the word is, but like really speaking to something so unique um, whether it was like the font or the music or, you know, the people there that it is like when I travel everywhere, like there's certain parts of like a restaurant that I'm like, Ooh, like that's so me, you know, like I get it. And like, I blink or I, or I, you know, yeah, I look at the owner. I'm like, Oh, I get what you're trying to do here. Like it's, it's so random. Um, and, and I think that's what, to me, like what district does is I still have that lens, like in people's fashion. I'm like, well, I see you. I see that little flair that you have, or, you know, the way that people open up breweries with in a certain like vibe. I'm like, district was a vibe, but it's also, um, you know, to me, like a philosophy. 
Yeah, I thinking about that Bobby Hundreds quote, um, yes. childlike and wonder, uh, romantic and revolt. I don't know yeah, how yeah. else it goes. I'm curious, yeah. like how that shows up. Childlike and wonder to me just feels like that is the GN slogan. Yeah, like, oh. yeah, yeah. That's that's my jam. I should get that a tattoo somewhere, but maybe that's out of context and looks weird. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just having yeah, just having the life still, you know. Um, I think both of us, you know, we work with the, we have like this affinity to work with young people, but perhaps I said it elsewhere. It's like, I have this like urge to work with that young person inside of everyone that you only see like past 11 PM at night after a few drinks, or you only see at the third day of a retreat, or you only see when their favorite song comes on. It's like, Ooh, like that's, that's who you are. And I think to me, yeah, I think that's how, thank you for bringing that because that's how I would describe it is like, it's when you see people's childlike wonder come out in their music and their cafes and how they speak, it's really inspiring and it's really cool to see. Yeah, I'm having this memory of you uh, at the immersion, this like Lululemon thing that uh, you were hosting and I was teaching at. This was maybe a few years after we had closed the studio and, you know, there was like <clears throat> the dinner and then there's a party and then it's kind of like people are trickling off and there's Gian like going to his room to get his own speaker <laughs> to keep the party going <laughs> and yes. like running through Malibu to like get the speaker because the bar is closing down, but you're just like, no. And, and no. to me, it's like, you're being so you, but you're also still facilitating. And I think that's something that people like, they just don't, you know, we've been around, I've been certainly around these people. I know you have too, where, you know, it's like they show up for the certain amount of time they leave, you can't find them, you know, they're a leader, but they're over here in some fancy room somewhere. And I think that, you know, you're the opposite. You're like, I will close this party. Yeah. I will have every conversation. I will follow up. I will tag you on Instagram. I will keep this conversation going. It makes the early morning yoga class that much more profound and you know that's something I have kept with me too like uh, yeah. this last retreat like it was day two people were dancing on the table and I was like I don't know this is how this <laughs> happens here <laughs> yeah, yeah totally yeah I mean that's that's so funny because that just happened in my in my last like thing at work right where we had probably 60 people in, in the, and it was the last night and, and it closed and I found a speaker and I got the, the bartender to just like keep it open, even if he wasn't there. And, and, and it was almost like, I think you feel the too, like you were DJing the moment, yeah. you know, and whether it was music or, or a checking question, you were putting something there that someone, something needed or something, something that, you know, something somebody could attach to. Cause I was playing music that wasn't just for me, but the moment that people heard it, like you can see them across the room and they're like, yo, that's my jam. Right. And I think we do that in terms of like, I think you do that in the work that you do. You're always like seeding in what the next record is that is needed to play. And then like deciding like what that, that playlist is for the night, but then also like continuing it on afterwards. I think that's what makes you um, and what made the district a success or how we facilitate a success is like we're with, in the depths with people, not only in the moment, but like late at night. I know you need your time and sleep as well, which you do, but like there's, you cannot beat like somebody on stage who was with you like till 3 a.m. last night. Like I don't even have to talk. They know we're instantly connected because you know, we saying John Denver, take me home country roads, like till 5 a.m., you know? 
Yeah, I just think it's like it's it's a a very unique approach to leadership, and and it works, and I've seen it work, like you know, and it resonates, right? And there's a humanness, and that's always sort of been my definition of of leadership, where there's just like this level of humanness and and resonance, and you know, you can only take people as deep as you've gone yourself, and it's not just sort of on the serious path, but on the playful path too. And I think it's your ability to really know joy that allows people to feel so connected, and then that the joy then builds the trust and the trust is really where you can take people um and it's so cool to see you doing that on you know the world stage now you know from the 900 square foot studio to the to the world stage it's just so cool and i'm so proud of you thank you yeah i mean this is not a flex but it it kind of is a flex to say world stage like i remember I, i can find moments where i did it did this at the district where now Three months ago, I did it in Bangkok, like with like 400 people. I definitely led people on stage and it was funny and it was great and it was deep. But then, you know, it was the last night in Bangkok. So we had to find like the club to, you know, take the motorcycle, you know, things to get to. And and that was so district. You know what I mean? (laughs) If people don't understand, but like that, that's so me, that's so you, but that's so district to do that. And then the next day, you know, still got up and looked at people and said, you know where we were last night. And not in like a bad way. It's just like we lived last night. Yeah, yeah. We had a collective triumph and struggle. And um, and then we're just closer as human beings. Yeah. I and then we go to work and log on Zoom, you know? Yeah, I love that. It, the last night of yoga teacher training was Halloween. And Ashley and I dressed up as Justin Bieber and Haley Bieber and like did a full skit like performance. Like we went like made everyone jump in the pool with their clothes on, like ran everyone into the ocean. And everyone was like, you guys are like, really, we've never seen yoga teachers act like this before. And we're like, this is a district. Like it's the last night. What do you think we're going to do? And then show up the next morning and teach the hell out of that class. And, um, you know, you just give your whole self to the moment. And I think that's what it really speaks to is like the moment requires your whole energy, your whole joy. Um, and I don't know, I've just never seen anyone do it better than, I have though have learned to as a growing human being (laughs) I've have learned to um you know really not not like calm it down in a way because obviously I get my rest I disappear and I'm like I just need to go for a walk or punch something box not actual things but I've I've learned to um be in moments like that and then when I do meet like when I go home like let it be like I almost like do my 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 check-in to myself like at the airplane or like on the ride home to be like reminisce nostalgia but then when I see my kids when I see my partner like I'm I'm in a new event right I'm in a space and I can give the same energy because to be honest it was hard back in the day right to be able to not just like get home and just like die on the couch oh totally (laughs) I'm still learning that (laughs) who are waiting for their moments I'm waiting for their event, waiting for their late nights that I just, I knew, but like now that, you know, I'm spending more time and and kids are getting older, like, yeah, their moment, their district is happening at the same time. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And your ability to kind of close that one chapter, come in, step into the new moment and be with what the moment requires and how to, you know, maintain or sustain your energy uh, and your well-being 
because those moments ask a lot of you. And I'm kind of curious, like, what are you doing? I know you've always been so devoted to your movement. Like, what are you doing to keep yourself kind of mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually <laughs> together? Uh, yeah. Okay. This like the, I mean, yeah, still, still working out and doing a lot of boxing, but um, definitely devouring a lot of like audiobooks while I'm walking. So, you know, because walking is so accessible and I'm like, I live in the forest. I have a dog that just like loves to walk. So yeah, that's, that's essentially what I do. It's like a creative process. Often I do challenge myself not to listen to anything. So even that itself, like a walk, isn't just a walk. There's sometimes is a walk is to get steps. A walk is to be in nature. A walk is to challenge myself. It's raining. Like who cares? But then when I'm like, I have a, I need a creative outlet. I do go for a walk without music and things usually, you know, happen while, while in that walk. So short and probably the oldest person answer adult answer ever is like a walk <laughs> i know i don't know i'm surprised by that i remember one time at the district you have to fill out a waiver and part of the one of the questions in the waiver is like how physically active are you and someone put walking and you're like walking that's not that's not an activity <laughs> oh we have grown Ten wow. years ago. i'm like so you walked on your way here so yeah yeah, yeah. okay walking you heard it here first um what is one song that encapsulates the district for you? Ooh, so many songs, so many songs. I mean, I, I would say people people know it's, you know, Mario, Let Me Love You. Every time I still hear that, it's still, it, it's like that high school love that then turned into the high school love of the moment, yeah. you know? Um, and when I hear that still, even if people don't know, um never been to the district they they have this this love for that song which is like how i feel about the district in that moment it's like ah so good so nostalgic and it's yeah i, th I would say that's one of the answers is like always and continues to be let me love you district also by mario mm, yeah that's my answer too um i I have, I don't, I didn't, I've never told you this. I haven't really told many people this, but um, last year I did a couple of ayahuasca. Oh, what's That's, that? You've been with Mario. Yeah. I, <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> I did a couple ayahuasca ceremonies last year. And one of the nights that I was sitting with the medicine, I, um, if anyone's ever done ayahuasca, it's really gnarly and I'm not um, recommending it unless you feel really called to it. But um, a lot of my sort of questionings and in going into the ceremony was kind of like, what are my next steps? And there was this one point in the ceremony where I was being shown to build the floor of the district. Mm. And I was like, Oh, like, what do you mean? Like, I like the district's done. Like, I was like, that's a other part of my life. And, you know, grandmother ayahuasca is like, no, build the floor, like get on your hands and knees and like put the floor together. We had this like wood floor. And so I was like on my hands and knees and building the floor of the district. And it was just this really symbolic moment of what the district meant to me to build something from the ground up. It was sort of like her urging me, sort of showing me like, you just start at step one again, just like you did. And the district really taught me like that dreams are real. You know, like we had a vision we sat and had a coffee. We said, wouldn't it be cool if, and then yeah. we just executed, 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 executed. Um, and so for me, the district, like the, the kind of proverbial building of the floor of the district is something that we did. Um, yeah. But 
I don't know. There was it's the, so much um, symbolism in the district for me as like a as a as a concept, as an idea, as mm-hmm. a, like almost an incubator that all dreams are real. If you were able to do that thing, you're able to do anything. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And and adding the floors was, was made the studio real, right? Made it yeah. different from all the other ones. And it was the last thing that was taken away also when when they closed the studio. And then secretly, it's also the annoying part about the studio that like the floor was like always broken, you know, maybe it was that, you know, the the medicine telling you that like fix the floor. But yeah, it is. There's so much like, um, yeah, connection to that that moment, which isn't just a moment anymore, I guess. No, I mean, yeah, the floor would literally be like people would be <laughs> with their battle ropes, the floor be coming up. They're like, oh, the floor. We're like, no, don't worry. Just tap it down. <laughs> like that, That's the interesting part, right? Because I go to so many studios and studios are amazing now. Like they, they're so well put together, branded. And like there is community for sure. Like I'm not saying like district was the only one, but um, there's something about like the floor not being perfect and like no one cared. Like people would come in early and like fix the floor for us. <laughs> I'm like, y'all, you don't have to do this, but like, you know, but that could be a Yelp review in 2023 of like that studio was horrible. Three out of five, the floor didn't make sense. But, you know, back just, I think the community that we had were just like people, not that they didn't care about it being a like a great looking place. It was just, it was, it was a part of them. So fix it with us. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I, I've seen many studios, uh, won't mention any names, but millions, million, yeah. millions behind a studio. And it just can't touch. It can't right. touch what that did. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. My, one of my last questions and I, I want to sort of ask all guests these questions. They're, they're pretty heavy, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, something I've been really chewing on, uh, in my own life and the work that I do with women and all people and kind of looking at the world um, and seeing so much, you know, challenge and violence and war. And I also look at what the reflection is within ourselves of our own, you know, the wars that we wage within ourselves. And um, what does it mean to you to end the war within yourself or another way of saying that is like, how are you being kinder to yourself? How are you not causing harm to yourself? Like what are the ways in which we look out here and go, wow, that's really fucked up. But when we look inside of ourselves, what are you, what are you doing to, to sort of make peace within your own self? Jeez. Um, um, that took a turn that question (laughs) (laughs) um the way that i make peace with myself like on a daily or general um i spoke about it earlier i think work in progress as i always am and perhaps other people but definitely not lingering on parents anymore and just like forgiving and seeing them for who they are and actually um yeah, seeing all the great parts to me is is healing. On the day to day, I would say, um, I think I think now it's connected to walking. Is I still love working out and, and feeling exhausted, but being more intuitive in like what my body needs for the week. It's not just like I need to feel like I destroyed this workout or 
I won at that workout, which sometimes that's what the district workouts were. Um, and there's not bad, right? But I think just being more intuitive mm. in what my body needs today. Mm-hmm. Is, is it a walk? Is it boxing? Is it, you know, walking my dog with like a ruck, which is like a weighted backpack or like sleeping in, you know, I think you'd be proud of me if I, that I sleep in sometimes past seven thirty. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, but it's like, to me, that's like the hardest workout ever. Right. And, and rest. Cause that's even like when you're in this bubble of like wellness, um, especially like strength and conditioning and sport and athleticism rest is often like the one that's like, doesn't get seen as, um, sexy or people do but like really trying to flip rest as um a part of being stronger yeah. right and that's probably you hearing me say that is like weird and awkward because i'm like let's just drink coffee and like go more but i think that's to me what is different is i'm more intuitive in what i do with my energy yeah. and that specifically for this question like how i work out but even just who I see on a day to day, like this has been so like rewarding um, and full, like filling and something that I've missed. Um, but to have this every day, you know, is, is a lot, you know, not you, but just like have these types of conversations. <laughs> I'll see you in five years. <laughs> yeah. Five years is all I can take with these types of questions. All I do ask questions i do not answer them which probably you'll know if i was in my session so don't ask so yeah that would be my answer i don't know if that makes sense or if it resonates but just you know being intuitive Hmm. if we really knew you we would know (laughs) if you really knew me you would know that i i i mean I've, i've changed so much but i haven't changed um um not only in my looks, but um, just like the the joy that I have in in meeting people and having joy in every part of my life. Um, that's me. I've already said it also, if you really knew me, like I do listen to a lot of uh, rap music, um, but there's days, probably the not days, there's moments in my drive home, which is like 30 minutes, 35 minutes, where like, country roads does come on <laughs> and it's usually the time in my ride where there's like no one around you know it's the traffic isn't gonna stop but to me it's just I don't even know what the words mean because obviously I've never been to like that part of the world but um it just means so much to me that song and I don't know what it is yet why but it's the same reason it's the same reason why like let me love you means a lot to to, to us as a district country roads I think it was probably my dad's favorite song when I think mm-hmm. about it. It's like his karaoke song. He did some, spend some time in West Virginia. I've never said that out loud, but that he did spend a lot of some time in Virginia. So yeah, there's moments, if you knew me, in my 30 minutes ride home when most of it is rap music, but there's three minutes of it when there's no one around. It's just trees when John Denver is um, the jam, y'all. <laughs> my last question is if you could tell yourself the 10 years ago who you were 10 years ago and opening the studio like sitting where you're sitting now like in this beautiful home your two beautiful children and the job you have you know when we were just starting something and we really didn't know what we were doing what would you tell 10 years ago Gian? 
Man. About you now. Ooh, about me now. Yeah. Um, I mean, do people ask you this question? What are you going to, what would you say? <laughs> this is not my interview. <laughs> oh, am I frozen? Okay. Do people ask you this question? Because what would you say? No, I said this is not my interview. You are my interviewee. <laughs> okay, I would say, yo, it's gonna be fucking awesome. Yeah. Like it's gonna be painful. It's gonna be like joyous and confusing, but it's gonna be worth it. And um, you're gonna learn a lot about yourself. But at the end of the day, like it's something that you're gonna go through. You know, and, and I know we're just speaking about the district itself, the timeline, but there's so much happening within that, like five years of the studio with you, myself, family, life. And I think in in all encompassing, you're going to get through it and it's going to be something that you made it through that will help you perhaps support other people. But more importantly, like where, where I'm going in the next 10 years. So it's going to be fucking awesome and painful. Yeah, I would say something similar. I would also say like, yeah, like you did it. Like all the things you wanted to do, you did it. And then some. Yeah. Yeah. And then some. Um, Well, thank you, Gian, Sebastian, Pablico, for your time, your energy, uh, your inspiration. Thank you for the work that you do in the world, because I know that you touch so many lives um, just by being yourself. And I think that's really the goal um, in life is to really figure out your purpose and and give it to the world. And you're such a beautiful example of that. And, um, you know, just love you. And, you know, (laughs) you know. No more speech, yeah. And you know, because um, every time we have a huge speech at the studio, I make a huge acknowledgement and celebration of everyone that works there, <laughs> parents and high school teachers from 14 years ago. And then when it came to Alex, I just say, you, you know, <laughs> the worst, but she knows. I knew. Do you know that in my acknowledgements in the back of my book uh, yes. that I just wrote, Jan, you know? Yeah, I yeah. did. I read that. <laughs> um where can people find you what's your Uh, what's your home address don't find me um (laughs) where can you find me i mean you could probably find me in the usual places instagram it's just my full name gian pablico i'm also pretending that i'm gonna write a poetry book um some some you know perhaps the next activity uh sorry the next podcast i'll talk about it um, such a random idea, but I'm going back to my roots, y'all. Yeah. What, tell everyone your secret poet name. My secret poet name was uh, Uno. When I first did open mic, the guy couldn't pronounce my name. So I said, my name is Giancer. And he said, I'll just call you Uno because <laughs> that's too hard. I'm like, thank you. Slightly racist, but I'm going to use that as my name now. <laughs> okay. So yeah. Uno is going to drop a poetry book. Uh... Poetry doesn't drop. Poetry. Oh, sorry arrives okay okay the poetry is arriving 2024 yeah yeah amazing well thank you Jeanne. it was so wonderful to speak with you and i'll see you in five years i'll see you in five years thanks (laughs) thank you